The Social History Hub podcast is brought to you by Creative Podcasts. Hello, I'm Lainey Malkani and welcome to the Social History Hub podcast. Every week I'll be exploring the nature of social history and what it means to us today with an exciting lineup of artists, entrepreneurs, academics and writers. They'll share their stories and relive the moments and events that inspired them. Coming up, Bharat Mehta, Chief Executive of the Grant Giving Body, which tackles poverty and inequality, Trust for London, on whether social history can exist without the generosity of others. I wouldn't want to elevate the position of grant makers in this. The generosity of others is a good phrase. Yes, of course, there's a role and responsibility for foundations and trusts uh, like the Trust for London and others, but it's actually about the generosity of people as well. Bharat Mehta there. More from him in a moment. But first, what's his story? Well, professionally, he's Chief Executive of Trust for London and before that, the National Schizophrenia Fellowship. He has a long and distinguished career in the voluntary sector and in January 2000 was appointed an OBE. On a personal level, Bharat is from a family of Asian refugees who fled to the UK from Idi Amin's Uganda during the 1970s. Our conversation led to a discussion on whether social history can exist without the generosity of others. But first, he explained what Trust for London is all about. When we started in 1891, which was two years after the last of the Ripper murders in uh, in East London, poverty and inequality were at their extremes, really. We now find ourselves, despite the advent of the welfare state, a situation where inequality is rising... Uh, and is at its greatest in London. Now, I'm talking about relative poverty as opposed to absolute poverty, but certainly inequality and poverty are rising uh, due to the welfare reform, the recession from 2008 onwards, and some of the uh, the cuts that have, been, uh, that have been implemented, which have disproportionately negatively affected poorer people. What role do you think social history has to play in this fight against inequality and poverty? I think some people tend to make a distinction between political history, economic history and uh, demographic history or social history. And I'm not sure you can make those kinds of distinctions. Uh, The movement of people is reliant upon economic and political situations and the current situation where in uh, 2014 you have people from the EU moving to Britain for jobs and uh, a sense of security, uh, and non-EU migrants coming also into Britain for the labour shortages that we have in certain specific skills, sort of adds to the whole dimension of where social history fits in with economic and political history. So the distinctions that existed and uh, this slight sort of hierarchy that existed in in history or political history having greater significance than social history, I hope, are breaking down. And social history is critically important. You can look at it from the time of movement of people generally in the way that human beings have developed to the time of the slave trade, to indentured labor, to the movement of people now, the reasons as to why people are moving. It's all tied in. The way you talk, it's as if 
social history is existing today as we speak, whereas the word history implies something that happened some time ago. Is that what you feel? I do. I do feel that. You know, it's, if you're going to understand why people are here, what they're doing, why they came here in the first place, then it's very important to understand what gave cause to that movement. And so, you know, it's whilst it is history, you're absolutely right in describing it as something that's uh, supposed to be backward-looking. It has a huge influence on how the nation develops, how people live, how the economy develops, how politics takes place. A common understanding of, of who writes history is that those that write history are of a certain standing in society. Um, they have the influence and power. Social history is very different from that in that it's history that's documented and created by ordinary people. Is that something that you feel as a grant-giving body, you're enabling those people without the power, without access to the time to write their own histories? Are you helping in that process? Indeed we are. I think it's critically important that uh, the history is not just of the great men, and I say men advisedly because uh, women also uh, tend to be excluded from from history. Well, social history, uh, or whatever history one wants to call it, gives an opportunity of enabling ordinary people to record their lives of how they perhaps move from one place to another. Uh, and one tangible uh, example that I can give you is the belongings exhibition that was held at the Museum of London. This, in in a nutshell, was uh, a history of 15 communities that have arrived in London since uh, 1951, when the UN Convention on Refugees was uh, was signed by a number of countries, including Britain. And the arrival of those uh, those communities was recorded by people within those communities and then put together as one exhibition at the Museum of London, which was one of the exhibitions that's had the most number of people attending. It was in the top five in the country. Now, I think a wonderful example of ordinary people having recorded their own histories. And there it sits for prosperity, for future historians to look back on and say how these communities came to be in Britain. So if I go back to my original introduction about the culture of giving, can social history and the documenting of it actually exist without the generosity of others? I wouldn't want to elevate the position of of grant makers in this. Uh, The generosity of others is a good phrase that you use. Yes, of course, there's a role and responsibility for foundations and trusts uh, like the Trust for London and others. But it's actually about the generosity of people as well the generosity of individuals that make it possible for others to come to be here, to able to share their history, to find the common strands that exist between peoples, which is a positive way of responding to a rapidly changing world. So what does social history mean to you? I think social history is important in a sense because it gives, uh, in, in a changing world, I mean, my children, for instance, my two daughters need to understand where I, where I and, and their mother comes from, where we were born, what our life was when we were younger, why we happen to be here now in Britain, why they were born here and what it means for them, some sense of identity, if you want to call it. Being British as much as being East African or being Indian, 
I think that's critically important for people to understand, for children particularly to understand. And do you have a particular story that has captivated you, influenced you in some way? In terms of personal story, I, I'm just aware whether this this constitutes social history or not, I don't know, but it's about the generosity of others, the point you made earlier, Lainey. When my uh, brother and sister-in-law came here with their three children as refugees from uh, Idi Amin's Uganda, uh, they found themselves in uh, in Birmingham going into a, a house which they had just rented with my brother having started work at uh, Kalamazoo on the shop floor from a position of being a director in uh, of, a, of a large company in, in Kampala, Uganda. Someone noticed that uh, my brother and sister-in-law had a young family with a, with a very small child, very young child, and no buggy. And in the morning when they woke up, the day after they moved in, they found a buggy outside with no name about who had left the, the buggy. But that's an act of kindness that my sister-in-law, who's now in her 70s, still talks about, and which has percolated onto uh, those three children in terms of how they view Britain and the importance of their own position and their own involvement in uh, civil society in, in Britain. My next question was going to be, how important do you think, because it's okay us documenting social history and, and ensuring that it is written down, but sharing is also important. Um, why do you think it's important? I think you, you could end up with uh, polarisation of, uh, of communities um, and social history can produce some common strands. Uh, for the community involved, it it also gives uh, some grounding as to why and how they ha- or how they happen to be here and what role they have to play. So, in a sense, you know, it's that old term of it. It it can be a huge uh, influence in community cohesion, uh, in terms of identity, in sense of self, uh, rights, responsibilities. Uh, the contribution of uh, of our forefathers, of our parents, uh, can be put in some kind of context when you understand and learn social history. What kind of responsibility comes with that then? I think the importance of recording social history in its uh, many facets, because not everyone's experience will be exactly the same. Uh, the multiplicity of voices needs to be recorded so that we get a sort of flavour. can't record every single individual's history, but certainly can get a flavour of uh, the experience of people, of uh, what it is to move, what it is to uh, be in a, in a different place. And I'm not just talking necessarily about uh, people coming from either the European Union or from outside of the EU. It's also a movement of uh, of people from the north or the uh, the west of uh, the United Kingdom to London. Those movements are equally important. The difficulties that, for instance, Irish communities faced when they came to London is, is important. Uh, those of uh, people from Newcastle, northeast or the northwest into, into London is, is important. Scottish people, similarly, moving into London have experienced... Uh, their experiences will be different. So it's, it's, it is important about recording uh, the movement of people, the contribution that people have made to, uh, to the way London is, the, the great metropolis that it is, the cosmopolitan uh, capital of the world, really.
just finally, social history works if people document their experiences, their surroundings, their lives. What, what kind of advice would you give to those people that might want to document that history but actually don't have the time, the money, they've got kids, they've got jobs? What would you say to them? I think do it in small batches. Do the small bits. I don't think we need to sit there and write a, a, the first part of War and Peace on this. You know, it's it's important that you do the little stories sometimes stick in in children's heads more and and in people's heads generally not just children's then perhaps uh, mega volumes so whenever you get a chance and an opportunity talk about your own experiences it's surprising it'll surprise you and surprise the individual listening to you the commonality that you might have with that person and actually it'll open up a whole different arena and a sphere of conversation so go for it. You don't don't wait for that big moment uh, in your life when, which is never going to come, where you can sit down and write the life history of Joe Bloggs. Fantastic advice, Barrett Mehta, Chief Executive of Trust for London. Thank you very much indeed for the opportunity. Trust for London's Chief Executive Barrett Mehta. Next week on the Social History Hub podcast, the charming Carol Thompson talks about the emergence of a unique hybrid reggae, soul and pop and why she's known as the Queen of Lovers Rock. That's next week on the Social History Hub podcast. Join us if you can. You've been listening to the Social History Hub podcast. You can listen again to our podcast at socialhistoryhub.com or download each programme from our website, from our RSS feed, or from iTunes. And if you have a story to tell, why not drop me an email? Lainey at socialhistoryhub.com The Social History Hub podcast was brought to you by Creative Podcasts.